I don't know. Does he have like a, a certain thing for round tables? Is it is there Yeah, just a further round table discussion is what goes into the title. So however you want to riff on that for your recording is good for let's me. Let's call it let's call it the superior round table to take a turn from these comic books. All right. All right, there we go. There it is. Pat Mullen has has coined it the superior round table. I am your host. And trust me, that's what I'm going to be doing. Not going to be contributing much other than just throwing these guys some questions and letting them take off with it. I am your host, Jesse Starcher. And joining me tonight, uh, this may feel like he's uh, having a horrible case of deja vu, but uh, he has uh, he has participated in the Damn You Hollywood version uh, discussing Venom 2, Let There Be Carnage, and he has decided to join us tonight for the superior roundtable of said film. Robert Winfrey, sir, how are you doing tonight? Are you ready to try and skate through with a big smile on your face talking about this film? Because yeah, we're in an... Uh, because we're in an audio-only format, I will allow you all to think that I'm smiling happily through all of this, and I will not have to disabuse you of your misconceptions. Love it. Love it. All right. From the miscreants. Hold on. Help me out, Ronnie. Misfits I, and miscreants, you... I, I would, no, I, don't... You damn, no, listen. It's misfits <laughs> and miscreants. From Misfits and Miscreants, his name is Ronnie Adams. Ronnie Adams has joined us to talk about Venom 2, Let There Be Carnage. Sir, are you ready to talk about it? And, and let I, us know what you thought. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And in, and I haven't been on a show with you in so long. I, you know I've got to mess with you. Yeah. <laughs> That's all right. Perfectly all right. Ah, uh, totally 80s. Pat Mullen said, I, I've, I've got creatine. I've got a tuna sandwich. And I feel like <laughs> I need to be talking about, I need to be talking about Venom 2 tonight. And he has joined us on the Superior Roundtable. Pat Mullen, are you ready, sir? Tonight, today feels like a brand new day on a Superior Roundtable. This one moment in time, uh, and we're not written by Dan Slott. Uh, I see what you, yeah, <laughs> okay. something, I think. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, so I guess what we're going to do, we're just going to hop right into it. If you guys have the opportunity, absolutely go and check out the Damn You Hollywood uh, discussion about Venom 2. There's a fantastic recap of what happens in the movie there. I'm not going to do all that right here tonight. Instead, we're just going to hop right into discussing it. So my first question to our round table, and we'll start with Ronnie. Okay. Ronnie, you know, Venom ended, and I understand there was a post-credit scene of the first at uh, for the first movie that kind of oh, set this we get right, right into this you know, I'm talking about, you know, Venom 1, right? Oh, no, oh, I ain't oh. jumping into that yet. I'm saving that to last. Trust me. I got a format. I, like, I follow it. Um, dang, a little fork play here, Starcher. Come on. <laughs> so Venom 1 ends, and I believe we get our teaser, correct? Uh, you guys correct me if I'm wrong, but we get our little a little bit of a teaser of what's to come in Venom 2, which is Cletus Cassidy yes. and Carnage. So I want you and to give the, me an and idea. Maybe the worst wig in cinema history. <laughs> No, yeah. nope, I've seen worse. Oh, wow. Oh. Name one. Hey, no, no, serious question. Uh, Silvio and the Many Saints of Newark. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. Fair yeah. enough. All right, there you go. I'll give you that one. <laughs> the only other one I could think of was maybe poor, uh, who is it, Kate Mara in the Four Stick movie, who dyed oh. her hair blonde for shoot. She dyed her hair blonde to shoot the movie. And then on one of the umpteen reshoots, she'd already gone back to her natural color. So rather than re dye it, they just stuck a blonde wig on her head, the poor woman. I would also, I would also submit Michelle. Michelle Williams in Venom. Mm. You're okay. not wrong. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, Ronnie, what'd you think there? I mean, obviously, I don't know if you could set the wig aside. I mean, that might have actually influenced as to what you were expecting in Venom 2. But uh, were you excited about uh, what was to come in the sequel? What were your expectations? Yeah, you yeah I was pretty excited about it. I mean, like, um, I'm a Spider-Man fan. And, you know, after a while, the symbiotes, the, they they uh, they get a little too... There's too many of them. Too much? A little but, too much? A little too much. But Carnage and, and Venom were the ones that I really, that I liked. You know, Venom was that, uh, Venom was that, that really awesome Spider-Man villain. And then Carnage was the one that really put the, you know, like the danger into it. You know, like, oh, this dude straight up just don't care. He's killing everybody. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. So I was pretty excited about that. And I, I was wondering where we were going to go. Was it going to be like rated R or what? Because mm-hmm. there was some, you know, there were some instances in the first Venom where I could see where they would they could have gone rated r with it and it wouldn't have hurt it if they did okay okay uh winfrey how about you man you i mean you you watched the end of venom i don't know if it was at gunpoint or not but what did you think when you saw the end and what did you expect for this film did you have high expectations i think i know the answer to this question but please let us know after the i'm gonna call it an experience of watching the first venom No, my expectations are not high. They're not even medium. Okay. Venom was something of a mess. If you want my full thoughts, you're welcome to listen to the full Damn You Hollywood review. We go into slightly more detail. I, no, my expectations weren't high. And then the post credit scene, I mean, it's the, it's unfortunately, I think the only way they could ever have gone with this, because unless you have the sort of unfortunate slash happy accident that is the Marvel Cinematic Universe, nobody has any patience with these kinds of things. So mm-hmm. we get a Venom movie. What's next? Well, of course, it's going to be Carnage, because aren't they just buddy-buddy? Never mind mm-hmm. that this is something that should be built to. Hinted mm-hmm. at, you know, maybe Carnage gets out in the, at the end of this movie, but he's a second, he, he should play second fiddle to some other villain. I don't really care who, take your pick. Uh, now, I know Sony can't really do that because of the severely limited amount of IP that they have access to, but they're a little bit more buddy-buddy with Marvel these days. I'm sure they could have come up with something. Mm-hmm. That plays, that's the primary thing here with Carnage's development coming in second fiddle. And I don't say that as a negative, but you build to him and then you conclude the second movie with his great big violent escape from prison. And then three is all about their fight. That's how I would have laid it out. But I have a degree of foresight and I don't have to deal with studio executives breathing down my neck about my creative vision over anything. So what do I know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Pat, I mean, you you saw the end of the first film. Uh, Were you excited for this second one popping? Uh, You know, that's going to be coming down the pike. Were you excited about it being Carnage? Tell me your thoughts, man. I was excited at the potential of Woody Harrelson playing Carnage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I did agree with Robert in that it seemed like a rush job because when most of these film series, whether it's by Marvel by somebody holding a Marvel IP, et cetera, are planned out. They're usually planned out in the mode of a trilogy. So to immediately jump into Carnage seemed like a bit of a rush job, like Rob said, that I know they have limited access to IP, but if you follow the Venom story and know the the regular players in that mode, they could have done things like evoke the jury, uh, the symbiote slayers, things of that nature to kind of help build towards the 
eventual high noon showdown between Venom and Carnage, which is really the big draw that people want to see. Because when they the casual observer generally associates Venom with two characters, one being Spider-Man, obvious reasons, and the other being Carnage, more so because of two video games than anything else that came out in the 1990s, Maximum <laughs> Carnage and Separation Anxiety. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I think more oh, thank, people... Thank you for referencing Separation Anxiety. I wasted way too much time on that game. <laughs> I think well, more people... I, I honestly think more people found out who Carnage was from the video game than anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, because it was the unique red cartridge on Sega Genesis and Super Nintendo, and it was a Spider-Man IP, so people wanted to play it because there weren't a lot of good Spider-Man games around at the time. And it had Venom, who most people got to know by this point. Um, but this was gonna. This is a big deal to introduce Venom and and give Venom a rogue. And if Venom needs a signature rogue, that's normally Carnage, based on the character's history. So it did feel like they sold short a lot of it, but there was potential. But yeah. potential don't pay the bills, right? Uh, well. I mean, there was a lot of excitement in my family for the film. I will tell you that much. Now, I didn't have a chance to sit down and watch the first film, uh, but I can tell you that my kids did. And both my teenage daughter and my uh, son, my 11-year-old son, were really excited about the way that that ended and what was to come. Uh, so so much so that my wife, uh, that uh, my uh, my daughter went and saw the movie probably about three or four days after. Well, two maybe it was a couple of days after it had released. Usually, she's not hitting um, movies that quick. So I could tell this was something that at least, and this came up in the damn you Hollywood, but this for some reason excited the kids. <laughs> mm. So I, I, you know, I understand it's got a PG 13 rating and yada, yada, yada. It's a little bit more accessible than a rated R film, which is something I would have loved to have seen. And I think a lot of other people would have as well, just to see what they could have done with the excessive violence uh, that uh, Carnage could have brought. But instead it sounded like, uh, you know, just from what I understand, it kind of fell short. But before we, if you I, know, before if go I ahead, may, sir. there's a fun bit in the pitch meetings kind of spoof on this where the writer, if you haven't seen the pitch meeting series on YouTube, please do so. They are tremendous. <laughs> he's, just, he's describing Carnage's escape from jail, and then Carnage makes blades out of his hands, and he cuts guys in half, and there's this guy that he rips his spine out, and the producer, they're played by the same guy, goes PG-13, so he throws a few guards around into some walls, and I bet that hurts a little bit. <laughs> this this yep. wonderful juxtaposition of what could have been versus what we got because rating. Yes. Yes, indeed. So uh, I'm going to keep this real basic tonight, and I'm going to ask you guys to give me something that you liked and something you didn't like about some certain aspects of the uh, the new this new film here. Um, so with Venom 2, Let There Be Carnage, I will throw it to Ronnie first. I want you to give me something that you liked uh, about, we'll start with special effects. Okay, so special effects. What did you like about the special effects, and was there anything that you didn't like? You can say you didn't like anything, uh, that, that there wasn't anything you didn't like. That's perfectly, you know, something that you could say. Um, so I have at it, Ronnie Adams. Tell me what you liked, what you didn't like about the special effects of Venom 2, Let There Be Carnage. I thought they were good as they could have been. Okay. I mean, like, there's a lot going on with these with these characters, there's a lot going on with uh, with the alien in the and you know <laughs> that makes clothing kind of kind of deal. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, you're used to when when you're like me, you're used to to comic books and everything, and 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 you can draw things a lot better than you can digitally animate it on somebody. I don't think they were terrible, but uh, they also like at some points I was like, eh, that wasn't great, but okay. uh, but I thought it was I thought it was good, you know. Um, but uh, was there as far as the special effects? Out? 
anything that took you out of when you were watching it? Like, okay, that looked completely fake. Nothing like that? Not offhand, no. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. Uh, Pat Mullen, I mean, you watched the film. What'd you think of the special effects, buddy? I definitely would say they're a marked improvement from the first film. Yeah. One of the biggest detriments to me of the first film was the CGI, uh, and particularly the final fight between the symbiotes. Um, where you couldn't really tell what was going on um, mm. and not due to jump cutting or anything bad like that. It's just the CGI was very poorly animated and it looked like almost they ran out of budget and decided to cut corners there. That had to resonate with them because that mistake really wasn't made in this film and they were a little more adventurous with what they did with it. Um, it, it so I think I think it was, even if it wasn't perfect, I think the level of improvement there was enough to warrant the thumbs up for me. Okay, all right. And of course, I know, Winfrey, you've, at most of the shows that I've listened to you on, you've definitely had uh we'll just say some some opinions on bad special effects uh so i want to know did venom 2 please you was there anything that pleased you or was uh did you have some stuff that you didn't like tell us all about it uh yeah i've got a really this is just one of those things about me i have a very uh sensitive reaction to cgi if it's bad i it takes me out of a movie faster than pretty much anything pretty much yeah, yeah. not exclusively but so when you we've as movies have become more and more reliant on cgi this has become a bigger and bigger detriment to my viewing experience a shockingly high percentage of the time as for this movie the final fight between venom and carnage is pretty good it's mostly readable only a couple of spots that get a little bit dicey i'm not the biggest fan of the setup for it but i i mean we have venom and carnage fighting in a church because we always have to have a scene where venom fights in a church because spider-man mm -hmm. this is just a thing that we do and i don't mean the movies i mean the original comics it's just a thing that has to happen now yeah and it's I mean, it's lazy, to be perfectly honest, but they make they do OK with it. I'm not a big I'm not the biggest fan of their concept behind Carnage for this movie, but that's a different discussion we can have. So I mostly enjoyed the the finale fight. It's perfectly acceptable. The sequence where Carnage breaks Shriek out of Raven, the Ravencroft Institute. I said this on the Damn You Hollywood. I'm going to repeat it here. That scene made me physically ill. And this <laughs> for the following reasons. All right. I'm not doing it. This is not a joke. I'm not doing shtick. Mm -hmm. The combination of flashing lights, the actress playing Shriek screaming, not even her power, just the actress doing the woohoo thing, and the incessantly spinning camera along with elements of the CGI made me physically nauseous. Ugh. I couldn't watch it. So that sequence, uh, no, that sucked. That <laughs> really sucked. Uh, most of the rest of it's perfectly fine. There's a few sequences like, hey, we have to have Venom jumping around at night. Put your black symbiote against a black night sky as he jumps around. You know, forward thinking uh, mm. with, from the production standpoint, right? Like, the, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but yeah, uh, for the most part, big improvement. Final action sequence, largely quite good. Escape from Ravencroft, that's a big thumbs down from me. Yeah. Well, we got a couple pretty big names attached to this, uh, Tom Hardy and Woody Harrelson. Um, Pat, I think you have some things to talk about with uh, Tom Hardy. I, I mean, I know you've got plenty of good things to say, but I'm going to ask you to try your best to maybe mention one thing that uh, you may have not liked uh, regarding his performance in Venom. So I, I give you the floor, sir. So if there's a detriment to the portrayal of, of Venom in this I'm not so much going to blame Hardy as I am the writing. I think most of the fun from the first film 
is Tom just taking advantage of him being the only guy in, in scenes with the CGI Venom and really just enjoying chewing up the scenery and, and, ha- and visibly having fun with it, mm-hmm. not taking it overtly seriously, playing it where it's going to be entertaining to the audience in kind of a wink nod kind of way and knowing what he can do to manipulate a scene to add a little bit of entertainment to it. They give him a lot less of that in this one, which I think is a shame. This one is played much more uh, in, the, in a serious tone than the prior movie was. And I think they got away from a couple of the elements that made that movie, if not a good movie in the eyes of many, a fun movie. Mm-hmm. Where So you don't get the same kind of, of fun energy from Tom in this the way you did in the first one, where he kind of got to be disgruntled, confused, and then manipulating this symbiote in certain times to have fun with it. Particularly the, the sequences that happen after he's separated from Venom, they're, they're noticeably kind of less fun. And I think that's a loss to everybody because... At the end of the first film, where he's kind of made peace with the fact this is how it's going to be, and then the second movie starts almost flipping that immediately on its head once he's uh, interacting with uh, Cassidy, it it, kind of loses a little bit to me. And I think, I don't necessarily think that's Hardy's fault. I think that's more a case of the writing. Mm -hmm. Mm. Okay. Well, uh, Winfrey, I'll go back to you here. I mean, what'd you think of Tom Hardy's performance as Eddie Brock slash Venom? Uh, what'd you like? What'd you, what didn't you like? I'm going to agree with Pat about the writing being the biggest hurdle this thing has to overcome. Tom Hardy is a phenomenally gifted actor. I mean, he's actually worked with this writer, believe it or not. He's, he gets part of a story credit here, not the screenwriting credit. Uh, I believe these two collaborated on one of Hardy's earlier like indie darling breakout roles, a movie called Bronson, which if you haven't seen it is very art house, but if you're interested in watching tom hardy go crazy (laughs) oh yeah that too (laughs) i'm not if that's what you choose to focus on godspeed and party on uh so he he's a very very good actor i mean i I don't want to take anything away from that the fact that he voices the venom symbiote as well for this uh get should give him a lot of credit because he gets to play off of both of those back and forth unfortunately It's hamstrung by the writers trying to turn this into a romantic comedy more than anything else. Mm. And somehow taking the comedy elements away from lighthearted comedy and into slapstick. Yeah. There's a lot of Tom Hardy throwing himself around a soundstage here. Wow. uh, For better or for worse. I think he can can do it. He he can do it. But it's like it's like taking and I'm sorry to cut you off. It's like taking it's like taking a guy. You know, we have a lot of people who are professional wrestling fans in this. It's like taking a guy who's excel, who's who really excels and entertains people when they do moonsaults off the top rope and Frankensteiners and telling them, hey, we want you to go out and just have a very grounded, excellent technical masterpiece. And maybe they can execute some arm bars and, you know, but it's not what people want to see them do. And it's not what they're best at. Right. Yeah. You mean Vince McMahon? <laughs> Vince is not alone in that particular criticism in the world of professional wrestling. So Hardy, yeah, it doesn't quite work as well as I think they wanted it to. Him arguing with himself is pretty good. He plays off of himself well. When he gets more manic, Tom Hardy can act that, I mean, almost with his eyes shut. He's really good at it. Unfortunately, when they try to do the stuff with him and the symbiote making up and they're like stupid, this is the dumbest will-they-won't-they they subplot in movie history because of course they will like this is dumber than any number of romantic comedies because the ending is telegraphed even more so uh 
as for what I did, again, I like when he's able to be a bit more serious and a bit leans into the crazy. He can do that. When he's asked to do the more comedic stuff or, and God bless Tom Hardy for trying and God bless Michelle Williams. They have no chemistry. Like this it's is not organic to be- between the two of them. And they've both, they've both shown the ability to do that with people who you wouldn't think like Tom, Tom had pretty good chemistry with like Reese Witherspoon in, in that awful movie, but they were fun. True. You know, Michelle Williams has had chemistry with not, not only her real life partner, Heath Ledger, but she, I, in a, most things I see her in, I actually really like Michelle Williams. I think she's an underrated actress. I wish she'd get bigger projects, but I think that's largely her own doing. She doesn't care. Um, but, but you know, even watching her as a teenager on TV on Dawson's Creek, she formed bonds with, you know, James Vanderbeek and Joshua Jackson that were palpable to the audience. It's just sometimes you're trying to fit a round, a round peg into a square hole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah the, and there's really, they should have realized this after the first movie, but something about the writing in this one really made it apparent. Like they, they don't vibe at all. Uh, so I, I think that would be the other negative I had, but you know, I, God bless Tom Hardy. The man's getting paid and keep cashing the checks, buddy. <laughs> For sure. Ronnie Adams. What'd you think of Tom Hardy, his performance? What'd you like? What'd you didn't like? I, I mean, <clears throat> he, I, he's always a good actor. I mean, he, he takes chicken crab and turns it into chicken salad a lot of times, uh, with, with certain, certain things. As far as, um, you know, the story being a, you know, romantic comedy, I, I completely blame that on Andy Serkis who, kind of disappointed me in that in that aspect of taking that that outlook on it um but I, I, for the most part i thought he did he did a great job for with 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 the part and what what was written for him mm-hmm. um i'm glad he got uh, i got i'm glad he got to have a, a story you know credit on it because a lot of the good parts probably did come from him um but uh, i'm gonna assume tom hardy did not lobby for the venom giving a thinly veiled gay pride speech <laughs> Right. Yeah. I, I'm, or he could have. You never know. He might. Then again, he might have. Tom Hardy's a weird enough guy in real life. I suppose yeah. he might have. Yeah. You know. But uh, that. I mean, like, it is what it is with a lot of things. But I, I don't see that relationship in the in the two characters in Venom and and, and Eddie Brock. It was very much a uh, a, a parasitic relationship at some points mm-hmm. with the with the uh, with the aliens. You know, in the in the comic books, there's no yeah, symbiote was never in love with Brock. It was in love with no, Peter, right? You know, right. or obsessed with Peter. You know, um, it was a, it was a parasitic relationship that eventually almost killed Eddie Brock. You know, and uh, so it was it, that that point in the story kind of took me out of it. But um, as far as Tom Hardy, like I said, with what he had and everything, you know, going on with it, thought he I thought he did a great job. He always does a great job. Okay, all right. Well, I will tell you that I was very surprised uh, to learn at the end of the first movie that Carnage, Cletus Cast was going to be portrayed by Woody Harrelson. Now, I respect Woody Harrelson as an actor. For some reason, it, it just did not feel like that was the role I could see him do. Really? Yeah. And I'm not saying that I was against it or anything. I just yeah. felt like it was a, not a good casting fit for some reason. I don't know why. I just don't. Maybe it's just because I see Woody Harrelson not as as psychotic as Cletus Casty is in my own mind. Oh, Bobby, uh, you need to watch Natural Born Killers. Well, and, and there's there is that. There is that, which that is a movie I haven't seen. So, yeah. Um, oh, oh, yeah, it's that's a cinema sin, sir. Yeah, you need to rectify that situation. 
<laughs> He'll sell you on being crazy real hur- in a hurry in that one. Yeah, quick, fast, and in a hurry. Okay, all right. So then maybe that's where the inspiration come from. Well, Ronnie, I want you to tell me, you know, what you think of uh, Woody Harrelson here portraying Cletus Cassidy? I tell didn't me see. If I'm right. oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say, tell me if I'm right or I'm wrong. See if there's anything negative, anything positive. Let me know. I have never seen anybody but but Woody Harrelson in that part. Really? Okay. Yeah. All right. I mean, like to be honest with you, uh, just the, the the look that Harrelson has and and if you give him red hair uh, a better red hair than in the first one we'll, we'll admit that yeah um but you, you just put him in that part and i think it was because of natural born killers that i could not see anybody else in that part you know um that he's or you know shoot even look at zombie land you know and and how nuts he is in that uh and the and the 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 voice and the uh the accent and everything it just it just kind of matches Cletus Cassidy to me and always has. So uh, I've never really seen anybody else other than him in that part. Okay. All right. Did you think he did well in this movie? Oh yeah. I think he did. I think he did real well. Um, there, there are parts that felt a little too, well, I mean, shoot, you're going up against Tom Hardy. You're going to overact a little bit. Mm. Um, I mean, that's just how it is because you're going, you're going to feed off that vibe, but I thought he did a great job too. You know, I I thought he, he matched the, for, for a PG 13 movie, if he was allowed to go, like just hey, this radar, just go out. He probably could have. It probably felt more like Cletus and more like Carnage. Um, but I thought he, you know, like I said, I've never really imagined anybody else playing that part. And you know, even as you know, poor Woody gets a little age on him. Um, I think I think he's doing a great job. Okay, so he lived up to your expectations. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, all right, very good. Winfrey, what about you, man? Uh. I'm not going to blame too much of this on Woody Harrelson so much as, again, the writing. I I struggled with his version of Cassidy, and I'm going to say a lot of that has to do with just how watered down they had to make what is supposed to be a very, very violent character. Okay. So I, I think that's probably the biggest problem. The other problem, and this has nothing to do with the writing. This literally has to do with the writing. I don't know why they turned this guy into every cliche ever in terms of what he says, but boy, did they. <laughs> I mean, look, I, I, I get that having a character in a movie directed by Andy Serkis banging on a, wind, on a window screaming about his precious being taken away from him. You got to do that at least once, right? <laughs> but... After that, he starts spouting off quoting poetry and other works of literature, and this is meant to be evocative of any number of the captured serial killer genius trope, and it it just, it feels so lazy in this movie. And then he starts in on the, you know, I've got to get what was taken from me and my precious, and and, you know, I must get the precious, and then the fact that Shriek is using the Gollum voice half the time when she talks, just ugh. Um... I I think Woody Harrelson could have done this role justice. I don't think he was ever going to be put in the position to do so, given the circumstances around this movie. Okay. All right. Pat Mullen, follow up, buddy. What do you think? I I don't think casting-wise you could have done better than Woody. Uh, Even if he's a little older, he he certainly doesn't look as old as he is because Woody hasn't aged since, like, 1996 because he's just one of those guys (laughs) like like Arn Anderson who always looks the same age. He's still behind the the bar and cheers. Came out of the womb looking for – came out of the womb looking between 35 and 42 and never changed. Absolutely. <laughs> um, Wilford Brimley. <laughs> Wilford Brimley was 49 years old when he when he filmed Cocoon. 
I was, was, gonna, I was gonna really? Say yeah, mm-hmm. they Dude, came wow. out and talked during Mission during Mission Impossible Four when that was filming that Tom Cruise is older mm-hmm. at that point in life than Wilfred Brimley was during Cocoon. Paul yep. Rudd is older than Wilfred Brimley was then. Yep. What? Another yeah. guy who doesn't age, but yeah. Paul Rudd is fifty three. Wow. Yeah. Dude, you want to feel old? Elijah Woods forty. Yeah. Yeah. It does make me feel old. Yeah. Still, it looks like he's twelve. <laughs> but <laughs> but here's you know the thing about Carnage is Carnage is not a great character. I'm I'll deal with the incoming fire from Teasley after he. Listens. Yeah. <laughs> no lord Duck. carnage is not a great character carnage is a serial killer who got bonded to a symbiote that is really more than anything just a, a plot device they mm. don't base you know huge storylines around carnage they don't i i, I don't know i i I, I, he's not a good character. There's no depth to him. He's just a murderous nut. The only time there's ever been any dimension added to him was during that stupid Axis storyline where he had to figure out how to be good. And that was a train wreck of a story that I don't even want to go into, but he's just he's a murderous nut that's all there is to it he just wants anarchy and carnage as the name implies so to try to handcuff that in a pg-13 scenario is not a winning recipe you really have to let him be mickey from natural born killers and i don't Mm -hmm. mean woody i mean carnage let that character be just an unscrupulous unsalvageable uh just murderous awful irredeemable you know being who is just evil at the core evil just humanly evil in every single way like any serial killer you've ever read about like richard ramirez or any of these guys there's no redeeming quality they are an evil awful being and that's what carnage is there's no depth there that's the problem with carnage as a character so when you take away a lot of what that character is going to be doing and capable of and really 90 percent of what they do in books there's not much you can do there and i think the only way they could have gotten better would be to allow Woody to just channel Mickey a little more. But instead, as Robert pointed out, quoting poetry and doing they're doing what they interpret a, a really good serial killer to be, where they're they have these heightened intellectual interests and things. But that ain't Cassidy, that ain't Carnage. And yeah, you, you got a mixed bag out of that where it wasn't really appealing to an audience in that sense. And to the few of us who actually read comics and see these movies, we were like, this sucks. Trying to turn this guy into like a, not even a second rate, but like a third or fourth rate Hannibal Lecter was an error that should cost people their jobs. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I, I had a fear that obviously with the rating, what I wanted from Carnage was not going to be what I got. Uh, So it sounds like my fears were pretty much justified just from what uh, I've heard you guys talk about tonight and on the previous show. Um, Now I I do want to, you know, I I wrote down the two big, the two big guns here in this movie. Obviously it's Venom versus Carnage. Um, You guys mentioned Michelle Williams. And again, I I, want to throw it to, I'll throw it to Pat here. I mean, do you have any, have any uh, comments on, on her performance as well? You know, in the scenes where she's not directly interacting with Eddie, I think she's fine. I actually think one of the better scenes she did was when she is actually approaching the symbiote and letting the symbiote know Eddie's going to die unless you rebond with him because this maniac is coming after him. And I think she actually does it really well because, again, she's a good actress. I think even at points in the first movie, despite the bad wig being a very big distraction, (laughs) she she still is able to sell what she's doing believably. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I... 
again, she is a quality actress. I don't know what her motivation for doing these films was because she doesn't need the money. She's she's in a good place in life, fortunately for her. Uh, unless she just got sold, hey, this is going to be fun, which is fine. Everybody should take roles like that in Hollywood, to be honest, and forget things taking things so seriously, mostly themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, yeah, I, I think she does well with what she's given. She's not given a ton because of the way the narrative of the story is structured. Even even when she's acting as a defense attorney. Uh, you know, she plays that well. It's just those scenes between her and Tom where it's just, man, I, I don't feel anything between these people. And to be fair, maybe that's by design because her life is supposed to be moving on without him. That's what and, I was getting ready to point out. Yeah. You know, she, and then the first one it was very clear. She was done with their relationship. It still feels a modicum of sympathy, I guess, for Eddie would be the best word. Mm-hmm. But in this one, hey, I'm getting married to uh dan lewis this is it eddie like we're getting married like that you know it's it, time to move on mm-hmm. um but but and and to be fair in tom's case he's dealing with a very different life situation and just finding after his ass <laughs> um there's a whole new uh partner in his life so th- that's a little different but th- again like knowing that they want kind of this element there it's not there ronnie did you have anything you wanted to add to that no, I was, uh, you know, not not quote unquote taking up for anything, you know, in particular in that. But um, I was gonna say I thought she did well with the fact that they are in they are she's in a completely different spot in her life. She still loves Eddie, but in a different way. And mm-hmm. she, I think she displayed that at certain points. I was like, oh, come on, you know, quit being such a <laughs> cold hearted witch about this, man. But no, mm-hmm. she was in a different spot in her life. She's marrying another man and she's done with him, which you know is is, is where she's supposed to be and uh uh, you know, I w- at first I was like, you know, no chemistry or whatever, but there is no chemistry between those two characters anymore. It's gone. You know, um, she did like you like Pat said, I thought she did great with, you know, the one on one with the, the symbiote and arguing with him. Um, but, uh, I, you know, that it, the only other thing that I don't like is, you know, I don't like it when they just try. I, I didn't get this a whole lot, but there are there are points of it of just trying to emasculate somebody to emasculate them because they're a guy um but i felt like that could have that was hinted at a couple of times in in the dialogue and um i'm just like you know just because he punches people um doesn't make him you know doesn't mean you get to 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 talk down to him for being a guy uh kind of a deal so i I don't know I, i i thought she did great i also think that uh the the character portrayal is was the the reason for the lack of chemistry. Okay, okay. Winfrey, I'll throw it to you. Talk about Michelle Williams, what you thought there, and, and then next, follow that up. I mean, if you don't have a whole lot to say, that's fine. Follow it up, though. I want to I wanna know more about Shriek and what you thought of Shriek. Well, this is going to be a real short contribution. <laughs> uh, as far as Michelle Williams goes, I did like her scene with the, uh, with the symbiote and the... Uh, the the gro- you know the kind of like corner grocery store yeah i like that they portray her there's this weird little thing that they kind of dance around in this movie that I actually kind of enjoy. She's got a bit of a sense for the symbiote. Mm-hmm. And I think in no small part, that's because in the first movie, it does attach to her at one point. And I, I kind of thought that was a fun little angle they could have played with, you know, like she's able to kind of sense him or has a better insight into what's going on there than other people, because the symbiote at one point did take over her body. 
and sadly, they don't really do much with that particular premise, but I thought it was something they might have been able to take an angle with. Mm-hmm. Uh, on Shriek, I don't know why this character, like, I don't know why she's here. <laughs> this is, I don't have a good thing to say here. Like, she's supposed to have been shot in the face. And that's why she lost an eye. I got news for you. You get shot in the face, you're not going to get a cosmetically appropriate couple of vertical scars over your eye and have to wear a different contact lens. Like, yeah. This was just a terrible, that, that was a pretty terrible decision. That's a weird bullet. <laughs> Guys really named Patrick was. Mull something or other, don't go down easy, boys. Mulligan. <laughs> I'm, I know, but the, the, the prefix of Mull, we don't go down easy. There you go. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's it, Winfrey. That's all you got to offer for Shriek. That's all she has to offer to the movie. Like, <laughs> this is. She's barely a like she. She's half a MacGuffin. Uh-huh. Th- that's about all I can say. That's loosely in her favor. How about okay. the weirdest Mary Sue ever? <laughs> She's not even a, like she's. I will give her the only thing I'll defend about her Sueness in this case is she is. She's not so much a Mary Sue as the perfect kryptonite for the symbiotes because she attacks with sonic waves and that's one of the things they're very used. They're very uh, weak to and that's long been established. I never understood uh, about the relationship in the comic books. Yeah, that's because it didn't make sense. Yeah, but that may, it matches Cletus. So yeah, I, I, again, I, I almost would have not a good character. <laughs> I almost would have preferred if we got to the point when the. Uh, no, they couldn't have done this because of what they tried to do with Cassidy at some later point. But when they get to the bit at the end when the symbiote like tries to kill her because I'm sick of this crazy person almost killing me, mm-hmm. I kind of needed Cassidy to decide with the symbiote, like looks at this situation and goes, yeah, I could have unlimited power. <laughs> Or you could be screaming at me all day, literally. Yeah, yeah like <laughs> tell me that ain't a metaphor, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just needed him to be. I really needed him to be an irredeemable bastard about that. Like, well, you know, when you were the only thing in my good thing in my life, I was gonna do anything for you. But now I have unlimited power, and I'm sorry, that's a better deal for me. <laughs> yeah, like that's what he would do in the comics. I don't know. And the they comic really, seems pretty crazy about her, though. He, well, he's just crazy, not crazy about her. Yeah, um, you know, there, there's, if you remember, Is he it? actually does. He actually does try to kill her, and then Doppelganger stops him. That's true. Yeah, I forgot about that. Is it? Isn't Shriek one of the symbiotes in the comics? Or am I confusing her with somebody else? Um, that's Scream. The Scream. Yeah, right. Scream. Yeah, so, Shriek, Shriek is noticeably different in her comic appearances, though, with uh, chalk white skin and black hair. Yes. And yeah, well, okay. forgive me for confusing my uh, your one note awful side characters. Yeah, you're forgiven. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and the, the fact that their names are, you know, synonyms. Yeah. We are about to get the second half of this roundtable started, but first let me talk about Amazon Music. If you're looking for a good platform that can fill those musical needs, Amazon Music has you covered. If you head to getamazonmusic.com slash W2M Network, you can get a free 30-day trial where you can check out over 70 million songs. That's getamazonmusic.com slash W, the number 2M Network, for that free 30-day trial. We'll clean up one characters here. Just I want to give everybody the opportunity to, if there's any other characters they want to talk about, performance-wise, whatever, feel okay, free. I, Pat, I got one. I got one. No, go ahead. Go ahead, Winfrey. There's a scene in this movie near the final 
final in, in the final battle when our character of the doctor dr dan stands above the carnage symbiote and dumps gas on him while holding a candle to create this thing of fire going down onto him i try really hard not to do that that doesn't work this way in these kinds of movies because so much but for the yeah. love of god if you're ever in a position where something even remotely like this is a thing that you have to do on the off chance i don't know why it would but let's hypothetically if you have to light something on fire from above do not dump gas out of a can in one hand light it with the other and stand there because fire rises it will go back up the stream of flammable liquid and into the gas can oh dr dan huh there's some uh, things i forget did he get it because did he get a movie his doctor off the back of a matchbook uh, yeah. <laughs> <sighs> go ahead ronnie what was he gonna say uh, uh, there's certain things i forgive because it's alien symbiotes that are controlling people's bodies you know um that kind of movie so you know dumping a gas gasoline down you know uh onto a candle i, I can forgive that you, you know you gonna like, like that eh. one though. Right. Yeah, mainly because it's alien symbiotes fighting. <laughs> and, if, and if Venom had been the one doing it, I probably wouldn't have complained as much. But I, I don't know. It, it just struck me as incredibly stupid to have what who is supposed to be an educated man. A learned doctor this, of science. <laughs> doing this in this way at this point in time. It was just... That was yeah. just a bit much for me. Bridge too far. Pat Mullen, you got any characters, any performances, any, uh, you know, any actors, actresses I'm leaving out? So I just want to clear up any confusion. I am not, in fact, Patrick Mulligan. I am Patrick <laughs> Mullen. <laughs> you know what, the name you of wanna... that character is, in fact, an homage to me. You know what? You, you want to become uh... <laughs> You're going to become toxin? A lot of people think I'm toxically masculine. So, you know, again, this character is something of an homage to me. I appreciate it. I thought Stephen Graham did a good job. I thought the fact that he survived a bullet through the eye speaks very much of myself. Um, don't go down easy. We don't go down easy. Right. It's true. It's true. Did he get I don't think he got shot through the eye in this movie. I might be missing. No, he shot someone through the eye. Yeah. He shot. He shot. Yeah. He um, then gets tossed onto a scaffolding on the outside of the. He, like, he does the Homer Simpson over the uh, fire hydrant at the end. Yeah. Yes, he does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Then his, eyes, then his eyes glow blue when he starts talking about monsters everywhere. Yeah. Toxin is actually an interesting character if you ever read the miniseries. If there is a spinoff, I hope it is not built around Cassidy. I hope it is not built around Shriek. I certainly hope it is not built around defense attorney Ann Wying. I hope it's a Toxin movie because there's actually fun to be had. I read the Toxin miniseries a long time ago when it came out. And I was like, this is an interesting dynamic. In point of fact, a lot of the dynamic is where Eddie and, and the symbiote have kind of this unspoken agreement of what they can and can't do. Toxin really embodies that more. And they definitely took some inspiration from that to build to where Eddie and the symbiote have to come to a common ground of you can do this, you can't do this type of thing. Um, so, so again, while these aren't great in terms of character build and development, if they go with Toxin, Toxin's pretty fun. Okay. Ronnie, you got any, you, you, you got any, uh, suggestions where they could uh, uh, take this uh, franchise? What the third one? Did they set up the third one well? What do you What are you thinking? What are you thinking? What are you thinking? Well, I mean, there's there's obviously a way they're going to go. Um, oh I mean, well, you know, maybe there's a post credit scene or something we could talk about yeah. in a second. So the, I, 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 <laughs> I really don't anywhere to to take it from there. <laughs> you know the, it, I mean, want to know the twist? I'm going to spoil this for you. Oh, go for it, Winfrey. The twist isn't that he's in the MCU. The twist is he's, he's in someone's room who was watching. Spider-Man Far From Home. Mm. 
That's funny. That's pretty funny. <laughs> That's good stuff. That is good stuff. Yes, our post credit scene, Ronnie. I'll let you take. Uh, it, you you saw it. You saw what happened. I saw what oh, happened yeah. because my my daughter immediately came home. She's like, Dad, you have to see this. Holy cow! You will not believe what happened. And I think that is probably the most I heard about this movie was the end credit scene, and I didn't hear hardly anything else about what was going on other than that end credit scene. So, Ronnie, can you kind of give us an idea as to what happened? Well, um, Brock and or Brock, Eddie and um, let's say Brock Lesnar, I guess. Brock Lesnar. Uh, <laughs> Holy Brock crap! Lesner. I did yeah. not expect that. <laughs> what did Mark did anybody here? else in the theater? Um, <laughs> Sorry, when did Mark show up? Yeah, yeah right. Mark's cast in the movie again. Get away, Mark. Come uh, on now. To be okay. fair, I watched a video of Brock Lesnar working out today, and I was like, oh, Venom cast today. This makes sense. <laughs> So anyway, um, Eddie and the and the symbiote are in a, a cheap hotel room somewhere, and they're you know waxing poetic about whatever being in love with one another or whatever they're doing. That's and not... uh, I know I'm just trying to hurry okay, it up. Okay, I, I have to. One other thing about this post, like this is another bit of the writing that annoyed me. For some reason, this writer didn't understand that light years are measurements of distance. Oh, <laughs> I oh. I didn't even notice that. Um, <laughs> So anyway, they're 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 talking about. Uh, I guess it's a, a um, it's a soap opera that they're talking about, and it's it's in Spanish. And um, that would be a the, telenovela. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Thank you. Yeah, uh, they're watching Telemundo, and um, all of a sudden there's a bright light outside, and they are teleported. Uh, they are shifted to another uh, uh, through the multiverse to another plane of existence, if you will. Okay. And um, they end up in an, in a very nice resort, you know, bedroom. Um, um, and uh, it just it's, it goes to the uh, Far From Home footage, you know, the end scene from Far From Home where uh, Peter Parker's identity is revealed to everyone by J. Jonah Jameson, the best J. Jonah Jameson ever in history the of any only, kind of... The only o- one. The only, J, the only yeah. J. Jonah Jameson. He is amazing in that role. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, revealing Peter Parker as Spider-Man and Venom licks the screen and says, that guy. And, uh, like, he's going to go after him. And then all of a sudden somebody comes out of the bathroom. They're like, why are you in my room? He's like, Pow. Okay. you know, and then, then you're then goes back to credits. All right. So let me, let me stop you real quick. Cause I had a bit of a different interpretation of what this scene was. And oh. granted, well, I mean, everything you said just happened. However, there's a, there's something else that I, that I personally interpreted. Now, granted, I haven't scoured the internet, which you may have done. So, so again, this is the way I took it. So you guys correct me if I'm wrong, but what I thought had happened is they were in the hotel and the snap happened and then he wakes up like five years later of course everything has changed and then we see the events of uh no way home happening um was it no way home uh yeah far from home or yeah yeah no uh, no way home is the next one no way home is is the one coming yeah yeah no good ideas that's the one no shut up does that make sense though hang on they're adapting they're adapting one more day there are no good ideas in that storyline yeah anyway i I could uh, be wrong though because uh, I think that's an interesting, I, I think that's an interesting take on it. Well, it's a very interesting it, take. I never would have thought of that. Um, well, I, oh, oh, let me, let me just say, does it make sense though? Because isn't there a five year gap? And no, uh, not that I, not that I noticed. Let me put it that way. They, they well, said five years had passed between the events of the snap. And when the Avengers uh, try to restart everything through time travel with more plot right. holes than Swiss cheese. <laughs> it's oh time travel. Or, or as we call it end game. <laughs> um, so I, I was, wondering if 
in the first Venom movie, there was mention of Spider-Man, right? No, 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 none. Okay, none. All right, well, then maybe that's the so. case. So, I, yeah, I, I thought the snap happened, and they wake up like five years later, and we're just watching it all happen. Obviously, according to uh, Eddie and Venom's uh, view, and they're five years into the future, and that's why everything's changed in the hotel room, and some guys in there. But so from, again, go ahead. I mean, that's that's very it's a very good take. That's just, I mean, like that makes me rethink certain things, but um, that's not how I took it. I took it as uh, they uh, uh, were transferred because of the the events of like uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, and but you look, know, right about right about the time the Venom symbiote is going, I have the collective memories of uh, across eighty billion light years of the hive knowledge. It would explode your brain if I let you see any of it. Uh-huh. Right about then, uh, <laughs> Sylvie is stabbing. That's- what that was yeah uh, kang in the chest and he's going oh this is gonna end badly for you and we all go no i already watched the show it already ended badly i didn't watch the and show it started hating on the show i look if you want my thoughts on loki listen to the tv party i have positives and negatives yeah i have a lot of negatives the only positive i think that thing had was hiv oh, oh come oh, on now that's an AIDS joke um <laughs> oh, it's Thanks, an HIV joke <laughs> It's been long. Over here. Hang on. It's been long enough. That, didn't South Park already establish it's been long enough? We can make those jokes now. I guess so. So, okay. All right. Well, we've got the post-credit I, scene out of, out of the no, way. No, but I, I, had, I had a theory about the post-credit scene. Yeah, okay. Absolutely. Go ahead. So we never established that, you know, the, the uh, outright rage of Spider-Man ruining Eddie's career. They just constantly reference what happened in New York. They don't ever say it. So what I'm thinking is, is that, you know, they have this symbiote with a lot of the established abilities of Spider-Man. They don't go into a lot of them, the, the webbing and the stuff like that, but it's there. So since in this universe, the symbiote has not directly uh, involved itself with Spidey, it has not had a possession of him at any time, etc. Mm-hmm. It may just have developed these abilities from Brock's subconscious obsession with this guy ruined me that mm-hmm. they haven't played up because they haven't been able to do the legal wranglings. But him licking the TV and saying, this guy, if they do intend to incorporate crossover at any point, you can build the story that way. True. They won't because the MCU sucks. So, (laughs) you know. Literally does not. <laughs> well, it's obviously, it's there's, the worst. Let, let's there's, not debate the merits of long of broad scoped for uh, perpetually shifting uh, and film IP. But what you have now is an opportunity to do that introduction and kind of get around the idea of how there was that and what you could have done because this is a symbiotic parasitic relationship. The symbiote could be hosting or her feasting on Brock's subconscious hatred of Spider-Man to a certain point that that's where the obsession develops with the symbiote. And you could even do black suit Spider-Man because it's so obsessed it's going to devour Peter by being a part of him and living off of him and whatever. And you have multiple avenues to explore with that. And what you do is you turn Eddie slash Tom into a more sinister character because now his big bad is out of the way. So what else do you do with them? Because he doesn't right. yeah. an yeah. established rogues gallery. Yeah. Um, all right. I like it. I like it. Uh, I, we'll go ahead and get ready to close up shop here. I know I, I want to give Winfrey the first shot at this since I know you you, you probably uh, explained how you felt about this movie on Damn You Hollywood. But uh, give us, you know, give us another uh, section of, of what you thought of this movie as a whole, the story, and uh, your closing thoughts. 
there's a reason so many people are trying to praise this movie for its length. This thing's 97 minutes. And, you know, so at a bare minimum, it's not quite as stupid as the Transformers franchise got with its two and a half hours of nothingness. It's only 97 minutes of nothing. There's another, you want to know why everyone only talks about the post credit scene for this movie? It's because it's the only thing quasi-memorable about it. Everything else is forgettable, shallow crap. That's all it is. Now, if you are in the mood for forgettable, shallow crap and this tickles your fancy, Godspeed and party on. But that's what this is. And I did not especially enjoy the experience of watching it. Like I said, it made me sick at one point. And I don't mean that creatively, but it, the visual experience did render me nauseous. I I said on Damn You Hollywood, I want to find whoever wrote this and beat the crap out of them because the dialogue is so bad. Ugh, and I stand rough. by that. It, look, if you, if you want shallow popcorn nonsense that can be on in the background while you do something else that's what this is that's what this does i think that's all anyone wanted this to do and again if that speaks to you and you had fun i'm not going to judge you for this one i said i would last time and i've cooled a little bit but that if you're entertained by this fine knock yourself out this is not a good movie it's not a good story it's not interesting it's not it doesn't advance anything the reason people fixate on wait venom might be in the mcu yeah and the other guy might be watching a dvd of a of a disney movie you know mm-hmm. just throwing mm-hmm. it out mm-hmm. so that's my take on the film again if you enjoyed it i'm not gonna throw shade at you godspeed party on all right i will uh, you know ronnie I'm, I'm throwing it to you here in a second but uh just to throw in again from my daughter who went to go see the movie she's a pretty you know she's a pretty positive gal she enjoys a lot of uh movies and you know even the bad ones she'll usually have something good to say and i said kira what'd you think of venom 2 and she said it wasn't as good as the first dad ronnie adams what's your thoughts it was everything i expected it to be okay and what i mean by that is it was fun i had fun that's all i wanted out of it you know that's all i want out of comic book movies period you know when i go to these movies i don't i don't i don't expect anything but to have a good time and um rarely have i ran across a movie like this that i haven't had a good time at the only one that i can remember is fantastic four and that's the about the only movie that i remember having a visceral hatred of god i hate that movie yeah it's I mean, like, I don't know. I don't know how that movie managed to take two hours and literally do nothing. Like I walked out of that movie and went, okay, I know time passed. I know images were projected. I know things <laughs> took place, but I damned if I could tell you what any of that was. I left the theater. Oh, I never I, leave the theater. I'm too cheap I, for that. I left the yeah, theater. I, I wish I would have. <laughs> like, I, I didn't leave because I I mean I think I was just too much awe of how horrible it was and the fact that the thing was hatched from an egg um oh. big rock egg it's so funny because you three experienced it and I've heard your takes on the movie and it it soured me on even ex- wanting to try to watch it no and I never don't have do it. no <laughs> don't ever watch it that's why I that's why I trust you guys uh not for not steering me in the wrong direction a lot of times because uh, it's been I, dude, I can watch it tonight after I get off the phone with, or after I get off the microphone with you guys. I pop that movie in because it's right there, but I'm never going to do it. I don't think just because no, of how many people hate it. It's on Disney Plus for free. <laughs> yes, still right don't now. watch it. No, no, never. It's don't not worth it. free. I almost, I almost went to the box office and, wa- and demanded a refund. And bear in mind, I paid, five, I paid five bucks for this thing. Yeah, the only movie I've ever done that with was Crank Two. Oh, that bad. Yeah, it was horrible. I was at a dollar theater when it first, oh, you know, like. Well, that no, wait a second. You went and demanded that, your dollar back. It was more.
more like five dollars dollar oh, theater yeah, kind of deal. Yeah, yeah. and I was like, hey, if that's liter- if that's a literal dollar theater, that just makes you the jerk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I, I have there some are standards dollar- that I'll pay for, and you know, no, some no, no, things no. I'll pay for and I won't. Look, if you go to see, bear in mind when I say the dollar theater, this is a thing that doesn't really exist anymore. No. But when for many many years, not too far from where I live, existed a dollar theater, which was literally one movie ticket is one dollar. Yeah, we and still I did have those. I, they, they do show movies with the word crank in it, but <laughs> well, I, uh, I, yeah, yeah. Look, there was just there gotcha. was just one New point York. in time. There was just one point in time when I had to stand behind someone in line for tickets who was complaining about wanting their money back, and I just like it's a dollar, man. You're complaining $1. about your lost. You're complaining about your lost time, not your lost money, and now all you're doing is wasting more of your precious time. As far as that goes, it's it's more of a it's more of a uh, a principle at that point. It's the uh, I, yeah. I get that it's the principle. Like you, you object to your money in any way going to further this. Yes, man. I'm a Jason Statham fan, and I and I hated that movie. But you know, it's the same thing with uh, now. I paid full price for Fantastic Four because I was ready to see something good, you know, or halfway decent, you know. I, and I actually, for what they were, I enjoyed the first ones. You know, Fantastic Four. I don't think those are as terrible as they get the rap for being particularly the first one. Exactly. Good, but they're not awful. Right. They're not nearly as. Yeah, they're not as bad as their reputation. And then Silver Surfer, okay, that one's got a lot of problems, but I mean, they all have every every comic book movie has problems. Name one in the Winter Soldier. Uh, No. Okay, give me a second, and I will just Uh, concede. That might be the only. Hang on, that might be the only one I really, I realistically can't. I'd, ha- I'd have to rewatch right, yeah. it. Re- I'd have to rewatch it. All right, most of them do. I will say all. Most of them do. Um, but shockingly I, high percentage. Yeah, but um, I'm just gonna say that you know, when it comes down to daggone um comic book movies, I don't watch them to to find the next Citizen Kane, man. I just watch them because I was a nerd, still am, and I want to see my, you know, see the things that make me nerd out on big screen. You know, it's just like the Dungeons and Dragons movie that's coming out soon. It's not going to be good. It's not. I know it's, it's gonna not. It's going to be better than Mazes Probably. and Monsters. It's going to be. No, no. Mazes and Monsters is is, is wonderful. Okay, just because it's, it's so stupid. On. It's going to be better than the first Dungeons and Dragons movie. Dude, me farting on a snare drum is better than the first Dungeons and Dragons movie. Sorry, that's that's a reference there. Huh? I love the oh, yeah. airheads there. Yeah, I've, I've used that ever since I heard that first time. Um, But it was, uh, I mean, like, okay. Okay, there's a second movie that has a, that I have a visceral reaction to um, <laughs> that movie, uh, but it's just one of those things where like I, you know I want to see the the things that I nerd out on the big screen, you know that I sure. nerd out to on the big screen, and okay. you know and Venom and Carnage is one of them, and it, and and it did that for me. I was like, well, this is cool. I, there's something to say about like, okay, you're a comic book fan. I'm a comic book fan. We grew up reading these things. We want to see back when we were 12. Yeah. If somebody told you, Hey, there's going to be a venom versus carnage movie, a venom, you know, carnage is, is uh, going to be wrecking stuff. Venom's going to be fighting him. I mean, we would have been ecstatic. Um, I mean, so shoot, I understand years ago, Spider-Man. Yeah. Yeah. So I understand that definitely being the drive to at least enjoy some of what you get on the screen. You're, you're, seeing the two characters now hang on it, aren't the sam raimi spider-man movies almost 20 years old they are 20 years they're over yeah. 20 years old yeah, yeah. i was gonna say no, they're not they're not over 20 years old they're close 2002 yeah, yeah they Spider-Man. weren't quite one but oh i thought 2000 was spider-man no that was x-men yeah oh my gosh yeah that's true yeah 2002 um it's 19 years old yeah so um so it's almost 20 years old 
So 19 years ago, Spider-Man came out. I, you know, I was a younger lad than what I am now. And I was like, this is great. And then, you know, the organic web shooters. I was like, well, this is less than great, but it's still good. (laughs) I have problems. All right. There are, Jane, this completely makes you twitch a little bit. This is still great. <laughs> what is it? Mary Jane. Miscasted. Yes. Still great. I, you know, the rain scene made up for it all. Um, well, okay. Let me let me steer it back, Ronnie. Yeah. Venom, Venom 1 compared to yep. Venom 2. What, did you enjoy? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I better? went on. A... You're all right. That's all right. That's no, why I'm here. I'm, I, I'm the director. They, they are what they are. You know, I, I, <laughs> okay. if I had to watch another one over, I would probably watch the, I'd probably watch the second one over just all because right. of Woody Harrelson, um, you know, and just having that, that fresh character concept in it. Uh, but you know, they're the, I mean, I'd watch them both again, but you know, I, I don't find one better than the other one. Okay. Particularly, I'm not, You don't have to choose. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to make oh, you choose. If you enjoy both of them, you'd go right ahead and enjoy both of them. I, do I don't what care. I want, Star Trek, you, do, <laughs> you do what you want. Damn it. Uh, <laughs> all right. Pat Mullen, send us home, buddy. What are, what are your final thoughts on this film? And, and what you're hoping to expect with the next one. Tell us all about it. It's fine. Oh, <laughs> thanks, no. Mark. Thanks, Vince. Appreciate it. It, it. For what it is and for what the expectation is, especially when the PG-13 came out, I, don't, I didn't think it was offensive. I didn't think it was particularly awful. I, I don't think it's great, and I don't think it's as fun as as much fun as I had in the first one. There's improvements on it, but there's also steps back in certain instances. From a technical standpoint, visually, this is more much more appealing than the first was. But the first one had superior character-driven moments, and I, I think it was a better overall story arc in that one compared to the second. So I tend to find the first one more enjoyable than this one. I don't think this one is a bad movie. I don't think it's awful. I don't think it's going to make me want my money back from the dollar theater. Uh, <laughs> and it's, 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 That's going to be a thing now, isn't it? No. The dollar, oh, the dollar theater is a thing now. But yeah. it, I think this is one of those things where if you had the right expectation going into it, you were you were okay with it. If you had some kind of unrealistic expectation for it, you're going to walk out disappointed. Or if you've had a lobotomy, you might think it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. Um, now, don't be mean. It's a fun, silly movie that you go into for fun. And that's what this was. Yeah. This, that's all it was. And that's all it was ever intended to be once you get the PG-13 slapped on. Yeah. All right. Well, I think this is going to wrap up our superior roundtable for our discussion on Venom 2. Let there be carnage. So, with that being said, let's get well done, the plugs. Jesse. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, Ronnie Adams. The movie. <laughs> I might say it a few times. Hey, it's plug time, and you all know what that means. This would be a good time to plug the sponsor of the W2M Network, and that is Grammarly. For you, the listeners of Source Material, Grammarly is offering a free download of the Grammarly software. Grammarly's AI-powered products help people communicate more effectively. Grammarly helps you write mistake-free on Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and nearly anywhere else you write on the web. Grammarly corrects hundreds of grammar, punctuation, and spelling mistakes while also catching contextual errors, improving your vocabulary, and suggesting style improvements. To download Grammarly today, go to getgrammarly.com W2M network. Again, that's getgrammarly.com W, the number two, M network to download Grammarly for free. 
Bonnie Adams, you do some stuff on some Twitch. Stuff. On Twitch, if I'm yeah. uh, if I'm not correct, there, please absolutely go ahead and plug your stuff, sir. Hey, my name is Ronnie Adams, and I am a dungeon master that plays or that runs D and D sessions on my Twitch channel. Now, you're saying is that all you do? As of right now, yes, because for some reason I stopped streaming video games, but I am about to pick that back up here soon. So, uh, but we've got a content plan for all kinds of stuff. But right now, we have a bi- weekly session of uh dnd actual play uh ran on twitch um we are running um icewind Dale rhyme of the frost maiden uh, it has been a lot of fun we are on our third session we're taking the next one off because it is free rpg day and the local game store that allows us to stream out of there is running a lot of cool things for free rpg day uh i myself i'm running two different games kids on bikes and call of cthulhu um so we're going to be hopefully streaming a little bit from there with that stuff um instead of our regular game but two weeks after free rpg day we'll be back at it um i've got uh six uh will be seven wonderful wonderful players that uh, absolutely enjoy the heck out of role playing in the game we roll some dice we've killed some goblins and we're just having a blast so please you know if you if you like watching actual play i just upgraded our microphones so you can hear everybody a lot better um and uh get that character development going and just come in and hang out with us a little bit i also you if you like other stuff how you can watch my big old head play stupid video games every once in a while and um we're planning on getting some magic the gathering content uh some other uh tabletop role-playing games and board game content in the near future so that is my new channel that's what we do misfits and miscreants is what we are called you can find us on uh twitch.tv slash misfits and miscreants give us a follow um and come hang out with me a little bit talk to me you know we even allow you to buy once per session um or one person per session uh if you have a thousand gold coins on you which is the the quote-unquote the the currency that you get for watching it builds up mm. if you spend a thousand okay. of that um you can buy the character's inspiration which means oh, they right. get to re-roll yeah they get to re-roll a d20 uh at any point in time that so, is pretty cool neat way to keep them interactive that's pretty cool yeah Absolutely. And so uh, we've got some things going on. Uh, we're going to set up some cool stuff in the near future for with, you know, different content. Um, but yeah, man, it's been a lot of fun so far. This is my first uh, big, big, big campaign that I'm really, I mean, I can't say that but because we did uh, Curse of Strahd recently and we just wrapped that up. But my players in that were so one, so they had their blinders on and they were so short-sighted that we got through Curse of Strahd in no time. Like they oh, okay. just were like, let's, let's find the stuff let's kill the vampire and go home but, but there's, all, there's all kinds of stuff to explore nope don't care let's kill him so but yeah um uh, we're on instagram misfits and miscreants uh we're on facebook and twitter um twitter we don't use a whole lot because i feel like that is a toxic dump of terribleness at times but we'll probably get back to using it um and yeah man uh we follow a lot of good creators on uh on uh instagram as well like ink mage axe and shield uh interact with them a lot and uh so you can find some really cool stuff on there as well all right very good all right pat mullen what do you got going on on the rattlech and broadcasting network these days tell us all about it so i've got two uh once monthly shows going on right now one of them is the mania of wrestlemania 
Mania podcast with myself, uh, Mark Radulich, and Chris Bailey, Chris Bailey, Chris Bailey. Uh, <laughs> we've been doing kind of a monthly track, each looking at the history of, of what built WrestleMania uh, and each conses- consecutive WrestleMania, the events surrounding it, the build to each event, uh, what separated it, made it different from the others, and, and kind of the chronological development and evolution of the event uh, in pro wrestling. Uh, this coming month, we'll be talking uh, a real rough one. It's uh, WrestleMania 8 and 9. Oh, so, man. <laughs> some, some real rough, lean years. But on the flip side, that gives us a lot to talk about. What happened, why it went so, you know, left when it was going so right for so long. And we'll have a lot of things to bring up in that. Uh, the other show I'm a part of is the Boxing History Podcast with myself and Mark Radulich, where the current saga we're doing are the four kings of the 1980s, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, Roberto Duran, Sugar Ray Leonard, and Thomas the Hitman Hearns. Uh, we've just finished recording each man's kind of intro bio story, the last one being the Hitman. And this month we'll be starting to dive into the fights themselves. So this month, our first episode uh, in regards to the fights is going to cover the first two bouts between Roberto Duran and Sugar Ray Leonard that took place in 1980, uh, the brawl in Montreal, and more famously Stone versus Sugar, or as it came to be known in hindsight, No Mas. So you can go ahead and listen to both of those. All right. Very good. Robert Winfrey, please let everybody know where they can find your stuff. I cover mixed martial arts action for 411mania.com over in their MMA zone. I host the 411 Ground and Pound MMA podcast. So if you're interested in the sport, give it a listen. You can find it wherever you find greater podcasts. I cover professional wrestling over there a few days a week. Uh, AEW's Dark Elevation on Mondays. MLW stuff on Wednesdays. Oh God, did they put that? Oh sh. <laughs> Sorry. Oh. I, I was surprise. half. I was half done writing my review for the MLW Fusion Alpha episode that just dropped when we started recording. So it's, I obviously haven't been doing it. Apparently, somebody thought it was done, and it's now currently live. And. <laughs> it's an easy i mean i still have access to it so i'm gonna go through and do it as soon as we're done here but that's funny so jacob Uh, two versus matt cross does happen everybody rob didn't ignore it no (laughs) i did not uh i'll I'll get to that in a moment i promise uh and then fridays i cover wwe smackdown where we will be counting down the days until the existence of charlotte flair drives me away from my job yeah we're sitting over under and setting up a pool everybody so get in on that (laughs) please ask pat don't tell me what it is i don't wish to influence it <laughs> all right well for myself uh, i do a comic book podcast on the rattlich and broadcasting network called the source material comics podcast uh we got quite a few shows lined up here for this month so just kind of keep an eye out definitely some that are horror related uh i think one of my favorites or one of the standouts that i have uh is definitely the power rangers nightmare on elm street crossover that we had the opportunity to talk Jeez. about <laughs> Yeah, it it's a web comic, so that's uh, that would be why uh, the pinhead uh, pinhead and the Cenobites show up along with uh, Jason Voorhees. So what the, uh, what it, the it, it was insane. It was insane. But there's also uh, Ronnie Adams and myself talking about Ghostbusters displaced aggression. You throw the Ghostbusters yeah. into a time travel story. Look out! That's uh, that's checking look some out, indeed. <laughs> uh Indeed. And then uh, we do a podcast. I do a podcast with my buddy Chris Armstrong called. Uh, it's called Unspoken Issues. Uh, it's in affiliation with the Unspoken Decade, which is a site dedicated to 90s comics. And Chris and myself are going to be talking Rise of the Midnight Suns pretty soon. Uh, oh, so, what a great series. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. Had a chance to read it, got it noted up. So me and him, I think we're going to record that tomorrow. I assume you're going to be releasing that in conjunction with the video game that they teased a few months back. That's 
the, I noticed that those were uh, the ads for that were popping up all over Xbox. So yeah, uh, sure, uh, maybe. <laughs> when is any? I'll have to look up and see when the date is. I think Chris definitely wants to get it in before Halloween. Uh, so that's look for it sometime here in October. And the other thing I'll go ahead and plug is Tripped Up Trivia, where we've already recorded our horror-related trivia for this month, and it will be airing on the 30th. Uh, so it was a lot of fun. We had uh, some uh, ringers in there, and we had some people step in at the very last minute, gave it their all. Oh, wait, you may have thought I forgot about the Rattelichin broadcasting schedule for this week. Well, check it out. Here we go. This past Sunday, October 3rd, Everyone Loves a Bad Guy aired, featuring the second part of their feature on James Bond. On the 4th of October, The Long Road to Ruin re-airing the discussion regarding the Daniel Craig James Bond movies. Also, there was a Damn You Hollywood discussion of The Many Saints of Newark. The 5th of October brought us Damn You Hollywood Venom 2, Let There Be Carnage. On the 7th, Damn You Hollywood's re-airing of their discussion of the 007 Spectre film. Also, on the 8th, we have an alternative comment that is re-airing for the Wilder versus Fury fight. And then, on October 9th, we have the re-airing of the Long Road to Ruin feature of the Final Destination films. Then, following up on that same day, Wilder vs. Fury 2's alternative commentary is re-aired. So check out all of those great shows on the W2M Network and... That is the Rattlich and Broadcasting Schedule. So, with that being said, for Pat Mullen, Robert Winfrey, for Ronnie Adams, I'm Jesse Starcher. This has been the Superior Roundtable. We'll catch you on the next one. Have a good one. Bye-bye.